Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The United States' dramatic departure from Afghanistan is being compared by some to the fall of Saigon during the Vietnam War. Our military reporter, Andrew Dyer, spoke to two veterans from San Diego about the similarities between the evacuations. One of them was a Marine and the last to leave the U.S. Embassy in Saigon, and the other was on the scene as well. And just a note, Andrew and I recorded this conversation on Friday, so some of the details may have changed. Andrew, the exit from Afghanistan is being compared to the evacuation from Saigon. Can you tell me why? You know, what are the similarities that people are seeing? Well, I think the most immediate thing that jumps to people's attention is the the desperation of locals to get out. Um, We saw this in 1975 at the U.S. Embassy in Saigon as the North Vietnamese army um, was closing in. Um, You had U.S., uh, you had embassy personnel, you had Marines, um, other military personnel at the embassy. Um, Initially, they were evacuating at at an airport, um, but that was shelled by the Vietnamese. And uh, so what you got out of Vietnam was images of Marine Corps helicopters um, ferrying people off the roof. And and there's a line of people up up that staircase uh, to the top of the embassy to the helipad. Um, You had people at the gates. um, You had Marines helping people over. And and then eventually the call came down uh, not to let anybody else in and to get Americans out. And, um, you know, looking at what happened in Kabul um, over the weekend and this week, uh, you know, the the comparisons were were obvious immediately with with Afghans also trying to to get out ahead of the Taliban as the Taliban seized control of the the capital. You spoke to two Vietnam vets, one of them who was the last Marine to leave the the Saigon embassy in 1975. What did they have to say about what they're seeing now unfold in Afghanistan? Well, um, so yeah, I I spoke with um, Juan Valdez. He was a a master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. Uh, Famously, the last Marine uh, off the roof of that embassy on the last helicopter. Um, the the other person uh, I spoke with is a, a retired colonel in the Army, um, Stuart Harrington. Now, he was a, a captain at the time. Uh, he was also at the embassy uh, on April 30th, 1975. Um, he, he left that. He might not have been on that last helicopter, but it was one of the, one of the last ones. Um, and, you know, both of them... Uh, both of them said that what's happening in Afghanistan is 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 worse than what they saw in Vietnam, um, and that's I think um, both of them said that was due to the just the nature of of the of the Taliban and the uh, the cruelty and um, the oppression of women that um, that we saw in the late nineties when Taliban was in control of Afghanistan before, and um, despite what uh, Taliban leaders are now saying, uh, I think many people anticipate um, that harsh subjugation of, of women to, to continue under their new regime, uh, not to mention uh, retribution to Afghans who helped the United States, which 
also happened in, in Vietnam when the, the communists took over, people were sent to re-education camps and, and others were killed. So, um, you know, um, you know, Colonel Harrington said this to me um, about how uh, we as a country kind of failed to learn the lesson of, of Vietnam and, um, you know, that these people should have been identified and gotten out of the country sooner um, to avoid what we're seeing right now, which is this last ditch emergency operation, uh, a scramble to get them out. Yeah, a, a word in your story that stuck out to me was betrayal. You know, he said, Harrington said that leaving Vietnamese people who had helped the U.S. behind was a betrayal that's being repeated today. Uh, here's a quote. He said, when I got on the helicopter on the roof of the embassy, I was in tears. The final betrayal of the Vietnamese took place in the parking lot of that embassy. You learn to live with it, to put it aside. It's difficult to bear. And so he sees that now playing out again in Afghanistan. Um, absolutely. Um, so. You know, for all of the, the thousands of um, Americans who served in, in Afghanistan, um, not just in the military either, we had, you know, NGOs, we had other government contractors, uh, humanitarian groups who worked in that country over 20 years um, doing all kinds of work. Um, there was, of course, the military side, the, the combat and security, but there was also infrastructure projects, um, social projects, education, all kinds of things that happened. Um, and promises were made um, to the people who agreed to work with us. Um, you know, these government agencies were hiring um, Afghan citizens to, to giving them jobs doing this stuff. And, and part of that was, you know, we're building a better world. We're building a better future. I spoke with a, a man today um, this is for a, a story um, we're working on for the weekend, but I, I spoke to a guy today named Jeff Lee. He's a Vietnamese American, um, graduate of UCSD. Um, and he was talking about, uh, he worked for USAID in, in um, Afghanistan. And, you know, he was talking about how he made promises to people, his staff, you know, he's hiring Afghans. And all of this week, you know, he's struggled, you know, can't sleep. Um, there, you know, he's trying to find his people that used to work for him and, and trying to get them out of the country because he says he feels uh, a tremendous amount of guilt that he put a target on their back. Um, you know, they they didn't build that better world for for Afghanistan, and um, now all of these people are at risk. And this is just one person doing one job. You you, you stretch this out over twenty years. Um, you know, and you start to understand the the impact and the people that um, put their faith in the U.S. government to to be there for them, um, and uh, now, like like you know, Mr. Harrington said, um, this sense of betrayal um, that that they certainly must must feel. Andrew, you know, as the military reporter, as a Navy veteran yourself, you're very tuned into the, the veteran community. I mean, what are you hearing from people in general, you know, that, that are connected to Afghanistan, that served there? Uh, how, how are they feeling? Well, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, in the military, um, you have true believers, you have people that believe in the mission, you have 
you know, all political stripes, um, liberal, conservative, you know, you have everybody, but people are really united in a, a sense of purpose. And even if somebody maybe disagrees in broad strokes with, with us going to war, like um, they try their best. They, they, most, most people do try to help people. Um, they, everybody wants to be the good guy in, in situations like this. And so, um, but they're not naive. Um, I talked to uh, another veteran today, a, a retired Navy SEAL, who, you know, said during the surge in, in 2010, like, they knew that, you know, the, the nation building that we were trying to do was a, a doomed mission and that we needed to be getting out. Like, you know, it, you know, it doesn't stop them from doing their job while they're there, but, um, you know, the sense that I get uh, what I'm seeing and people I talk to is that most people agree that we couldn't just stay there um, indefinitely. Um, but the way in which we left um, setting arbitrary kind of deadlines, you know, we're going to leave by this date. You know, a lot of people um, critical of that say that that, you know, emboldened the Taliban and, and, and affected the, the Afghan, uh, the security forces um, who were essentially kind of bought off by the Taliban to, to not resist. And so, so, you know, people are disheartened, I think, um, even though generally, you know, getting out of the country is, is something that most people agree should have happened and should happen. But the um, the way that we've gone about dealing with the, uh, the, the people who we kind of owe something to and the Afghan citizens who at great risk to their own lives and the lives of their families trusted us um, to leave them behind to be you know potentially targeted uh, for retribution by by the Taliban is, is something that is weighing heavy on a lot of people right now so 1,000 Marines from Pendleton are in Kabul now. Uh, what are they doing there? And, and do we know when they're expected home? Um, no end date uh, right now. Um, I, I, I couldn't even get an answer about when they deployed. So this is kind of a routine deployment. Um, you know, after 9-11, military set up like this rapid response uh, force in the Middle East. Um, you might remember in, in 2019, 2020, right there, the, uh, the new year, Whenever uh, the U.S. assassinated uh, Iranian general general named Soleimani, uh, the embassy in Baghdad came under threat, and a bunch of Marines responded within a couple of days. You know that was that same kind of rapid response force. So um, this is part of like a routine deployment where Marines are are over there as part of that. And you know once again, uh, this rapid response force has been uh, called into action. Um, right now, the military mission is uh, limited to the um, the airport in in Kabul. Um, I I did not watch the president's speech today, but um, my understanding is that uh, the idea that our military will be going outside the gates of that airport to uh, rescue um, Americans or, or others is not something that's on the table right now um just because uh 
our leaders fear um, provoking the Taliban uh, is the way I understand the, the thinking right now. Um, it's a, a precarious situation. The, the leader of Central Command is um, in constant talks with uh, representatives of the Taliban in Doha. These are talks that have been ongoing for quite a while. So, um, you know, we've been assured by the Taliban that the, the route to the airport is clear. And that might be true for people who hold American passports. But for Afghans, um, you know, it, it's not so simple getting to the airport. We understand that there's, you know, checkpoints and um, a, a gauntlet, so to speak, to just to get there. And then once they get there, there's no guarantee that they'll be allowed inside. Anything else you want to add? When we talk about comparing Afghanistan to, to Vietnam, um, it, it it is very, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people right now with opinions about this war and opinions about it, comparing it to that war. Um, now, certainly there, it was a lot different in 1975, you had a different political atmosphere. Um, the Vietnam War was incredibly unpopular, um, especially the, at the end of it. Um, you know, there was uh, the Watergate scandal. It was just a completely different political environment than what we have now. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Vietnam War, as we understand it in the United States, essentially began in 1955 um, after the French defeat at Dien Dien Phu the year before. And uh, it, it lasted until 1975, so 20 years. Um, and now we have Afghanistan, which began in 2001 and is presumably ending in 2021. So you have a 20 year stretch. Um, the, the difference, of course, is that uh, the US military defeated the Taliban in 2001. Um, they were decimated. You know, and 20 years later, uh, they controlled the, the whole country, which is, is something that uh, uh, quite a, a turn of, of events on the ground. Andrew Dyer is the UT's military reporter, and you can find continued coverage of Afghanistan online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.